Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. Hello, my dears. <laughs> I am not Mary Guidus. Sorry to let you down. I am her husband, Ben Guidus, and I will be hosting this episode of Take This Poem. A listener and a fan who's also been heard on this podcast before, Keith Hansen, recommended that Mary be interviewed on her own podcast about some of her own poetry. So here we are. Hi, Mary. Hi. So nice to have you here on the podcast. Yeah, it's nice to be here, and thanks for having me. And also thanks for everything you do to make this podcast actually be a reality that people can listen to. You are welcome. It's uh, my pleasure to ask you a few questions today about some poems that you wrote. But before I get before we read the poems or or get into them, I just wanted to ask, you've been doing this podcast now for seven, eight months, mm -hmm. and um, I wanted you to ask you about just what, why now do you want to kind of talk a little bit about your own poetry and why haven't you done it thus far? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Well, I wasn't planning to. And I was trying to figure out if that was partly because I try to hide that I write poetry or more because I just forget about it. I, th I think it's neither. I think I just wanted the main point of the podcast to be about reading and appreciating poetry, not about my own poems. Yeah, I just feel kind of squirmy when people call me a poet, and I think it's partly because I just take it too seriously. I think... Emily Dickinson and John Dunn are poets with capital P's, and that's not what I am. So mm -hmm. um, I just feel like a random lady who's written a few poems. But I think part of it is superstitious in a way. Like, I think of a poet as being somebody who's really pledged fealty to the muse and to a certain way of life. And I know, because I'm not a genius, that there are things I could do to write more and write better, and I just don't do those. Mm -hmm. So I think partly I feel like if I go around saying I'm a poet that I'll never be able to write a poem yeah. again. Yeah, but, sometimes we have a hard time like identifying ourselves. Like we, I have a hard time identifying myself as a farmer, mm -hmm. even though we have a couple of acres and we raise animals. And but you can sleep in on Saturday, so yeah, that doesn't feel so. Like well, I understand. Work. So I guess maybe at this point let's um, listen. To, we're going to listen to uh, Keith reading two poems. Uh, so it's Keith Hansen reading these two poems that Mary wrote. The poems are entitled Helen and Edward. Uh, they're two separate poems, but they go together, and I'm going to play one and then the other, and then I'll ask Mary a few questions about them. So first Helen, then Edward. Helen. On that day, when the real fish stop rising in the pool of my mind, so any flash is only the reflection 
of a fish-shaped cloud, and any splash is only rapids flicking like a silver tail. When all is so still that any kind of fly can rest on the surface and nothing hungry comes to meet it, even then when every other tie has been broken, the barbed wire of duty will be bound tight around my chest, will still dig down into the familiar bloody interstices, and I'll think I'm a little girl who needs to get back to her mama, or a mama who needs to get back to her little girl, and I'll be so sure I'm late and needed that nothing, nothing can keep me from her. Then who will build a bus stop to nowhere outside the memory care center so that when I escape, I'll have a place to wait while believing I'm on my way back home. If it's you, come sit beside me now. Edward. When out of long habit... I wake at 3.30 a.m., and I find myself stuck on one side of a fence and my right mind stuck on the other. It's time. It's time to get the bread started to allow it a double rise and bake before dawn. Time to sign for the flour delivery and shine the display cases and get the coffee on. Will you help me out of bed? and down the long hallway to the sterile kitchen, past the doors of so many others sleepless from old age. And when we get there, we lift down one bag of flour. Then I can do the rest. Memory isn't needed to turn and press, turn and press what is sticky and jagged into something warm and smooth. Then I might forgive myself, as long as the ink on my shoulder reads, Ora et labora, and as long as my mouth can say, I never missed a day of work in my life. Keith's voice is amazing. Yeah. Can I just say, as much as I would like to try to play it cool when I heard those recordings that he sent of those poems, I actually felt like I really liked my poems. Like it was kind of a thrill. It felt like just reading a poem out loud that way is a kind of attention and it's a kind of interpretation and to hear that done to something I wrote made me feel like it was really literature mm -hmm. and I like literature so it was it was great it was that was why my ambivalence was overcome when Keith suggested that he could read these I just thought that sounds like a fun project and mm -hmm. couldn't resist well, it was great well what inspired you to write these two poems Okay, so sometimes that's tricky to answer about poems, but this time it's really easy because it was inspired by an episode of a public radio show called Radio Lab. The episode was called A Bus to Nowhere. And I remember a little part of the episode, it was about a memory care center or old folks home, and they mentioned building a fake bus stop outside to keep the old people from getting too far when they had run out the front doors. And I think there was another part, too, where they mentioned trying to let the residents as much as possible do those things that they really felt like they needed to do. I think they specifically even mentioned baking, like a man who want, still felt like that's what he, that was his job, that's what he needed to do. 
So it was one of those times where I was listening as I drove around and I got home and I just sat in the driveway to listen to the rest of the show. And yeah, I just started wondering about these people and that's where the poems originated. I think trying to curiously write from an imagined person's perspective is a good way to take the pressure off because I don't feel like I'm airing my own dirty laundry or my own thoughts. I'm just telling a story about somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not always as stressful to write those or share those. Although, of course, my own self does sneak in to the poems anyway. Like in Edward, I give away what my tattoo would be if I ever got one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll link to that episode. The, people, the radio lab the radio. episode okay. if people want to listen. Great. So when I was reading the poems, getting ready for this, I noticed that both of them have sort of a something in common, which is a, a certain kind of mystery about maybe even about what the poem is about, but also a certain energy to them. And I wanted to just ask you if you notice that and what it is that you think gives them that energy. Hmm. Well, thank you for saying that they have energy. I think of energy as being what helps me keep reading a poem once I start, and that's a really good thing, so thank you. As to where it comes from, my first thought was wondering if it was super long sentences, so you literally have to keep reading to see how the sentence is going to end, but long sentences also can be an energy suck in a poem, so I actually don't know if that adds or takes away. Then I thought these are sonnet-sized poems. They're 14 lines long, kind of even lines. And I think sonnets, as a as the sonnet form has an inherent energy to it. I think that might have been partly what added to it. To me, if I'm going to write longer than a sonnet, I always have to have a really good reason because there's just this feeling in me that 14 lines is the perfect amount of time to say something you have to say. Mm-hmm. Um And then the last thing I could think of was both of these poems, maybe this is the mystery too, both of these poems, a speaker addresses a you and we don't know who that is. So I wonder if that might add a tiny bit of energy, the fact that this is somebody saying something to somebody else. So that Mm -hmm. almost makes it more of a scene. These monologues are in front of another person. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think... Uh, you know, to me, part of it, too, was that mystery element of not, you know, we don't have the background of you, the NPR episode, the Memory and Care Center as a reader. So each line kind of drops another hint about maybe what who the speaker is and what they're talking about. And you have to sort of read the next line to get another clue. And it isn't until you get through most of the poem until pieces kind of all fall into place. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of neat. Yeah, especially with Helen, it takes a long time to realize Mm -hmm. what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Instead of fish and rivers and stuff like that. Yeah. So both these poems were published. Can you tell me about where they were published and about that process? Yes. So my poetry buddy Dave, who was in the episode 12 I believe it was, where we talked about Hopkins. He's the editor of an online poetry journal called Triggerfish Critical Review. And I do have a little thing that I'm generally most interested in the old-fashioned journals that kill trees and publish on paper, like hard paper copies. But I am also interested in Dave's work at Triggerfish. One interesting thing about it is the critical part, which contributors are invited to 
read and comment on each other's poems and those comments are published along with the poem on the page when the issue comes out. So Dave read these two poems of mine in a workshop setting. He said he'd like to have them in Triggerfish issue 25 and that was an honor and then I tried to do my best to write a lot of reviews for that issue while I was at it and yeah. Cool. So is this something that the listeners can find the Triggerfish issue sure, online? It's, it's issue 25. I might as well throw in a link for that as well while I'm at it. <laughs> Great. And they can read the other material there. And isn't mm -hmm. it true that that same issue, was, the art in that issue was by uh, Craig? Yeah. So Craig Goodworth, who I interviewed in a long one a few episodes ago, can't remember the number, he happened to be the featured artist for that issue as well. So every yeah. single poem in there, I mean, I think there's maybe 30, 40 Every single poem is paired with a piece of his artwork. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's really cool. You should check it out. Is there anything else you wanted to say about these poems before we read them again? Mentioning that Dave saw these poems in a workshop made me want to mention that these are not the first drafts. These poems have been aided greatly by feedback from many other readers. I had a lot of trouble deciding where to break the lines on these poems, and I sent them to Dave. I think I even remember sending two to Craig and saying, pick one of these, which one breaks lines best, and putting and giving that to Dave for Triggerfish. I, so that's what I wanted to say, is that these have been helped greatly by many revisions, lots of feedback, and in the end are kind of a collaborative effort. Cool. Awesome. So we're going to read the poems again, um, and one's going to be in Mary's voice. That's going to be Helen, and then she's going to hand it to me, and I will read Edward. Okay. Yeah, good idea. I like to have a poem have the last word in the episode, so I'll read Helen and then pass it over to you. Helen. On that day, when the real fish stop rising in the pool of my mind... So any flash is only the reflection of a fish-shaped cloud. And any splash is only rapids, flicking like a silver tail. When all is so still that any kind of fly can rest on the surface and nothing hungry comes to meet it, even then, when every other tie has been broken, the barbed wire of duty will be bound tight around my chest will still dig down into the familiar, bloody interstices. And I'll think I'm a little girl who needs to get back to her mama, or a mama who needs to get back to her little girl. And I'll be so sure I'm late and needed that nothing, nothing can keep me from her. Then, who will build a bus stop to nowhere outside the memory care center, so that when I escape, I'll have a place to wait while believing I'm on my way back home. If it's you, come sit beside me now. When out of long habit, I wake at 3.30 a.m. and find myself stuck on one side of a fence and my right mind stuck on the other, it's time, it's time to get the bread started to allow it a double rise and bake before dawn. Time to sign for the flower delivery and shine the display cases and get the coffee on. 
Will you help me out of bed and down the long hallway to the sterile kitchen, past the doors of so many others sleepless from old age? And when we get there, will you lift down one bag of flour? Then I can do the rest. Memory isn't needed to turn and press, turn and press what is sticky and jagged into something warm and smooth. Then I might forgive myself, as long as the ink on my shoulder reads Ora et Labora, and as long as my mouth can say, I never missed a day of work in my life. Part of my vision for Take This Poem was to have it be interactive. I imagined it as a virtual bonfire poetry reading, where friends, family, local poets, and you can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. So what would that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. You could send me a voice recording of you reading a poem to be included in a mailbag poetry reading. Commenting on the poem is welcome, but optional. Don't be shy. It's the only voice you got. What better use for it do you have than reading beautiful words out loud? Also, you could request a poem that you'd like to hear me read and ponder on the show. Or tell me what you've been thinking about these days and I could play literary matchmaker and choose a poem for you. And by the way, I am aware that I have a small but loyal following of youngsters out there and these invitations are all open to them as well. Send any of these or other ideas you have to takethispoempodcast at gmail.com and join me in sharing good poems with this little community. I hope to hear from you soon.